Good morning. So glad you chose to be with us today, and we're so glad to be in a series that feels a little bit like a new series because we just finished a series last week, but this is actually a continuation of something we started the very first of the year, 2020 Vision Clarity. If you were here, you'll recall that uh, we started with encouraging everybody, challenging everybody to ask God to show them a one-word focus for the entire year. And I'm wondering how you're doing with that, if God brought a word to you, and if, you did, if he did, great, or stay with it, keep using that word as a kind of a clarifying focus for your year. I uh, chose a word for me, and I mentioned it then, I already had chosen it before I spoke that message, the word being mentor, and I'm working on uh, trying to improve uh, how I mentor, but also how I am being mentored. And everybody needs a mentor, and everybody needs to mentor. So this has been a, a, a great journey for me, and it'll be a one for you too by default, because I'm going to be sharing with you some of that throughout the year. However, what I want to do with that is kind of by way of introduction. I mentioned this last week as well. I finished a book on mentoring, and kind of working on learning and and thinking, and this one's a little unusual, and that was not a typical preacher book. It, it was a uh, basketball coach was the author, John Wooden, and he is well known uh, around the world for how he used uh, his coaching in basketball as a mentoring platform, really uh, teaching everybody that he shared basketball with how to have a game plan for life, and it wasn't just about basketball for him. Now, today's message is a little bit like something I read about that he did with all his first incoming uh, basketball players. He would take the newbies off the court into the locker room, and the first thing he'd teach them is how to put on their socks, <laughs> which is really, and then these, these guys later, when they're pro ball players and finish their pro ball career, would remember that and said, I couldn't believe it. We'd look at each other and say, did he just teach us how to put on socks? And he would explain the good habits and making sure you do this right because it sh little things show up in your play and so on and so forth. And so today's message feels a little bit like that. It feels a little bit like I'm going to teach you how to put on your socks. And I'm hoping that rather than you just go, I know this, why is he saying this? That along the line of putting good habits together and really seeing the importance of these small things is what you come away with today. And I hope that's the impact you have. If not, well, I tried. And I'm learning how to be a good mentor and I'm going to give it a go anyway. So... Your outline is the same outline, so there are no blanks to fill in. It's the same outline that we had in the second week of the year. It's five points, and these are our five core statements as a church, and they're arranged this way on purpose with bold in certain places on purpose and offset on purpose. But the five points are love God wholeheartedly, do first things first, don't do life alone, save people, serve people, followers say follow me. Now, if you've been going here for years and those sound new to you, shame on me, okay? Hopefully, they sound a little familiar to you and we need to do a better job at getting some of our core statements to become something that you internalize and they actually motivate you rather than feel like, oh, um, we're putting on socks again, you know? Hopefully, that's not your feeling. Now, in the second week of the year, we focused solely on the first one, love God wholeheartedly. 
And at that time, if you were here, as you recall, there are five of these points, so we used our hand as an illustration, that this was the thumb in the hand illustration. This is the, when you really receive the love of God, because he first loved you, you love him. That you're basically saying to God with a wholehearted response, yes, thumbs up. And this is, this is what we focused on, that loving God wholeheartedly is where everything else hangs from this. And so in each of the others, do first things first, it's actually how you love God wholeheartedly. Don't do life alone. It's how you love God wholeheartedly. Save people, serve people is how you love God wholeheartedly. And followers say, follow me. That's part of how you love God wholeheartedly. Now, it's a life. It's not a list. Okay, and so a lot of people looking at these core statements, some of them go, yep, I got this one. I love God. I got up and I prayed. I prayed pretty, almost every day. I love God wholeheartedly. And I do first things first. That's the first thing I do is I pray and I meet with God. And uh, yeah, I serve people. I check that off my list. Yep, I'm a part of a small group. I don't do life alone. Yep, check that off my list. And followers say, follow me. Yep, I invited somebody to church. Good. I'm good. And wait, wait, wait. It's not a list. This is a way of life that just is ongoing. It's like breathing as we get these working in our life. So our whole mission as a church is to help people move from wherever they are in steps to where God wants them to be. And I've got news for you. Every one of you are wherever you are. All right? And so if you are not sure about Jesus even, or whether you should be following Jesus, if he is who he claimed to be, you're at a place that we encourage you to take steps that might be over some barriers that are holding you back. But maybe you've followed Jesus, accepted Jesus as who he claims to be, and you're stride for stride, and you're maturing and growing. And even if you're way into this many, many years and lots of maturity, there's still things that you need to take steps in. You've just got all kinds of room to move from where you are to where God wants you to be. I have stories about that today. It feels like I should know better, but I'm going to share with you, boy, I get caught in these things, and I'm going to share with you some about that. Now, before we move on to the life lessons, I want to make sure that you understand those five core statements are not to say, come on guys, do this, because actually it's happening all around this place. We hear about this happening all the time. And so just to give you some of the ideas and stories and things that are happening lately, I asked the staff, can you tell me, where have you seen people loving God wholeheartedly? And where have you seen people serving others? And where have you seen this thing? And I started getting stories. So I just want to share some of the stories that just got on Tuesday and even trickling in since then uh, at the staff meeting. So one of the first stories that was shared was that they named off the person, I'm going to protect anonymity here, they named off the person who a year ago got devastating health news, just horrible health news, and had to have this really radical surgery, then go into a radical treatment plan. It was just totally life-altering for for better part of a year. And so many people rallied around her. So many people served her needs in very specific ways. So many people were taking turns doing this chore and that chore or giving her rides to the treatment and so on and so forth. And it's amazing to see a year later, she's thriving. She's healthy. She's doing well. And she's so 
grateful to the church that expressed their love by serving her in very practical ways. So that was the first story. The next story that we heard about was a gal that was writing this down because we asked people, okay, remember the four series, four of the Verde Valley, four people? Um, one of the challenges that Matt issued was the four for four. It, write down four names that you are for. And uh, somebody took this very seriously and immediately had four names they wrote down. And then she was following up on that story. It's so amazing. Those four names, this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And one of them was, and this person just accepted the Lord. You know, it's like, oh, that's awesome. And part of those things included serious servanthood. I mean, seriously, meeting the needs of these people right down to, um, I don't know if some of them or all of them needed housing and to be cared for. And, and there was the opportunity to do some of those kinds of things. That's just amazing. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with what kinds of things are taking place in our midst. We have a growing number of families whose hearts are growing to the size of Texas where they say, you know what? True and undefiled religion is this, that we take care of orphans and widows in distress. And so many families are now becoming foster families and adding people who need care and need rescue right into their homes. And, and so that's amazing. A recent uh, situation, all these situations are amazing stories of God at work in the middle of a story that's usually not very pretty. And yet, sometimes, and it's very unusual to have this, you know, to have adding two in a week to a household to where there's five fosters and three biological kids for a household of ten. Very unusual. But the biologicals are actually praying, yes, yes, we really want this to happen because they need this. This is the kind of love that's being developed here. Along that line, some care packages were delivered that I heard about recently. Um, somebody went and put some things together for new foster kids in other homes, and they're not, they're not able to foster, but they're able to come alongside and help some of these foster families. And with the care packages, this one gal left this note, and I'm protecting identity here and just sharing pieces of it. With the care package, the note said something like, I, I go to Fr Prescott, and uh, if you need anything from Costco, Trader Joe's, Chipotle, Target, I can pick it up for you and deliver it. I have one car seat in my car at all times. I can help shuttle kids. Um, and literally this person knew some of the um, kinds of things that might be helpful in the shuttling. This person said, I can do laundry. I'll pick up your laundry, return it the next day, clean and folded. And uh, she, she said, come on, you know you want this done. <laughs> And, and she was offering her services and her husband's services to babysit on Wednesdays through Saturdays so that you can just have a break and get away. And uh, she says, oh, after a number of these things, uh, I know what you're thinking. You're saying, nah, she doesn't really want to do this, but we really do, she says. And so that's just, a, just coming alongside. It's doing that practical love kind of thing that is wholeheartedly loving God and serving the needs of others. Somebody else handed an envelope 
And to a staff person said, I want this to be anonymous, so I want you to deliver it for me. Don't say who it's coming from. I just heard about so-and-so that has some needs with a foster situation. I want to be a support in that. And it was an envelope with $700 cash delivered to somebody else that's doing a ministry. That's just coming alongside people that are helping people. Another family in our midst heard about a missionary family that had to come back to the Phoenix area because of a medical emergency for their child, and now they're out of work, out of income, out of, and they're going through this process of trying to deliver what they need to deliver for the care of their child, and they need transportation, they need work, and they, what do we do? Somebody said, I can provide transportation, and gave a car, $4,500 worth of car to them so you have transportation. Woo-hoo! It's like, this is very practical love being Expressed. We have the Man's Need to Outreach, Kids Against Hunger is now delivering food. It's a, they're packaging food. There's some people that are there all the time, just want to be a part of that, and that's really exciting. There are others that are caregivers. I mean, this is a load. Caring for others that absolutely need care, and it's just all the time in their home, just serving the needs of others. Some others just found out about a need in their neighborhood. They would go, literally, I can do this two times a week, helping them out. I can do this two times a week. I can help transfer them out of their bed and into and, and literally go over and help make those transfers. This is happening all around here. And so make sure you don't hear me say, come on, guys. That's not my tone here. The five core statements are being lived out, and this is the vision that every single one of us are like little concentric circles of the love of God that we are receiving and disseminating out from us just throughout wherever we are, work, neighborhoods, places, relationships, where the love of God is being expressed in these tangible ways. Now, before I move on into the content of this morning, let's revisit the five points. And I want you to hold your thumb up now. By the way, this is easier than if I asked you to take your shoes off. Let's learn how to put on socks. Hold your thumb up. And uh, we're going to just go through the five points because really this is a memory aid for us. The thumbs up is love God wholeheartedly. Okay, everything else hangs from it. We'll revisit the passage where Jesus says this. And I want us to, before we go into all five, understand that when we say love God wholeheartedly, that's like saying, yes, I'm in. I'm holding nothing back. Make sure you don't hear this. I'm sinless. That's not what it is. I'm holding nothing back. I'm saying yes to God. I'm holding nothing back. If that's what you want me to do, That's what I want to do. Yes. Love God wholeheartedly. Now, would you do this for me as you're holding your thumb up? Wiggle your fingers because the next four hang off of the thumb. They hang off of the thumb. So we're going to go through all five now, and we're going to just go one by one. Use your hand as a memory device. Let's state these together. Number one is love God wholeheartedly. Two, do first things first. Three, don't do life alone. Four, save people, serve people. And five, followers say, follow me. Hopefully that'll help you to remember what our core statements, our values are all about. Now, here's, before I enter into the content of what I really have a heart to share with you, I need to share with you that the way God shared it with me was sort of a kick in the pants. It was like, as I'm going through this kind of list, I am First of all, um, on your outline, you'll notice there's no blanks, but there are 
two bold ones under the one we already covered. That's two and four. That's what we're covering today. They're bold on your outline on purpose. Those are the two we're covering today. So do first things first and save people, serve people. I am very intentional in my life to do first things first. Literally, when I wake up in the morning, sometimes when I don't feel like waking up as early as I do and I don't feel like getting up and doing the things, I say do first things first. And for, for me, that means meet with God first. My first conversation is with God. And then I've added into my routine, building off habits that are working, some of the other habits that I'd let go. And so right now my routine is when I get up in the morning, the first thing I do is I open the Word of God. The second thing I do is I start working on my memory work. The third thing I do is I journal. The fourth thing I do is I go through my prayer routine, and I'm doing first things first. I want my face to look full on into the face of God and have him fill up in my life the good stuff so that I can live it out. But as I was doing this, one of the memory work that I was working on just kicked me. It was like, oh, man. I could very easily be doing this and still miss the boat. And I want to talk about that. Now, before I get into that, I have a little riddle. Don't answer the riddle, please. It's just a memory device. It's a really lousy riddle, okay? I've put this together to get us at what I want to get at. The riddle number one is, when is something that is second not second? When is something that is second not second. Don't answer that. I'm not answering it yet. We're going to go straight to riddle number two. According to Jesus, what is the first and greatest commandment? If you were here on that week, this second week in the year, when we focused on this commandment, you probably remember what the first and the greatest commandment is. If you weren't here, here's what Jesus said. Matthew 22, 38, this is the first and greatest commandment. Notice I didn't tell you the first and greatest commandment. That came the verse before, okay? We're going to get there in a moment. So the riddle is, what is the first and greatest commandment? All right, riddle number three. How would you finish this sentence for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command? How would you finish that sentence? Now, some of you have an advantage because you were here, and I don't want you to answer because Here we go. Now, in the passage that we dealt with on that first session of 2020 Vision Clarity, it was Matthew 22, 37 through 38. We looked at, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And I know some of you are going, yeah, I know that one. And it's just like, come on, really? You're telling me to put on my socks again? Okay. Be careful. Be careful. We've got to get this one. And if we don't get this one, I've got to preach this every week for the rest of your life. You know? <laughs> now, seriously, this is, if this is the first and greatest commandment, we've got to get to the place where it's more than just, yeah, I got this, I know this. It's, it's a little bit deeper than that. And that's where I was living, kind of, yeah, I got this. I was feeling pretty good. I got this memorized. And then I ran into the kick in the pants verse that surprised me, and I shouldn't have been surprised because I should have been familiar, but because I'd been memorizing the other, it's just like, oh my. And Paul writes about it in the letter to the Galatians. He writes this, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And I go, what? That's the second command. 
Why are you saying the entire law hangs on that one? The entire law hangs on the other one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's the one that everything hangs on. That's the first and greatest commandment. Now you're taking the second commandment and hanging everything off the second commandment. Do you ever have arguments with yourself like that? (laughs) All right, so that was kind of like, oh my. And then I began to look at other verses too and I came to recognize that Paul is agreeing with Jesus. He really is. And Jesus agrees with Paul. Jesus himself in other places says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When you do this, you will have fulfilled all the law and the prophets. Everything hangs from that. It's like, oh my. And yet, Matthew twenty two thirty nine 39 says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So how is it that we're putting the second commandment as the keystone commandment for all this other stuff? Why didn't they put the first commandment? And I think I know exactly why. Because all of us, uh, this probably shouldn't say that, because I have a tendency to be an accidental Pharisee. That if I'm doing really well, I get up early in the morning, I'm spending time in prayer with God, I'm looking at His Word, and I'm reading, and I'm learning new stuff. It's like, whoa, memorizing stuff. I'm feeling really good. That knowledge and that devotional practice and my love with God, it just puffs me up. Paul even says, knowledge puffs up. And if you only are doing that and defining your relationship with God according to your face-to-face interaction with God, I love you, God. You're so awesome. I love worshiping you. I love reading your word. It's so cool. You could be just like me. Where you do that at home, you come to the office, you're in the, I mean, I, I'm in the word at the office. And then here's the kind of thing that can happen. I'm in the Word, I'm in the Word. It's like, oh, this is cool. This is all. I go to something. I just learned this. I get really, really excited. I just learned this new thing. I got to share with you. And they go, okay. And they listen. I go back in. And then I'm studying, studying, studying. Then somebody else interrupts me. I go, I don't really do that. I'm really nice. But inside, if I have a day-long series of interruptions, I got this wrong attitude. I said, I I couldn't get anything done today. What? Listen, if I'm following in the steps of Jesus, I'm going to be interrupted constantly. Jesus was interrupted constantly. He was interrupted to love his neighbor, to be in the moment. And the kick in the pants was, I am so bad at this. I'm really good at the study thing. I'm really good at the teaching thing. I'm really good at the learn new stuff thing. But I'm really bad at the people thing. It's like, oh, wow, that's not good, right? And so it's like, that's what we're talking about. So on the screen is just to get us to think about this some more. Jesus and the apostles, according to Jesus and the apostles, the first and second of the greatest commandments are tied together. If you only have the one without the other, it's a lie. They have to come together or what you got isn't really working. You're an accidental Pharisee or you're this wishy-washy love person that really knows nothing about how to help people connect with God. Just love, love, love. And you don't really know that connect with Jesus is love. We have one doctrine here. That's not really true, but our doctrine is Jesus. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. 
you walk and follow Jesus, you're going to learn and grow and understand what it means to live the life Jesus described. There are many other doctrines that are very important. I encourage you to study. I encourage you to know. But there's live. Love is so important. So now let's put this all together the way Jesus did in Matthew 22, 37 through 40. It reads this way. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So in other words, the first and second are tied together. They're like it. How is the second like the first? It's the first and the greatest. That's how it's like the first. And that both of them is what the rest of all of the obedience of God hangs on. Love God and love your neighbor. You've got this, then you're basically obeying God all the time. That's what Jesus is saying. Now, there's a lot more scriptures that go with this. On the back side of your outline, there's a lot of scriptures listed we're not going to. And if you're not doing the paper outline on your YouVersion app, go to the bottom and the same scriptures are listed there in the same discussion questions. Even if you're not in a group discussing those, it might be worth looking those up and digging deeper. For right now, on the screen, the second commandment proves the first. The first results in the second. One without the other is a lie. James says so. John says so. If you have one, you say, I believe in God, but you don't help your brother, you're lying. And James says the same kind of thing. If you really love God, you'll love your neighbor. Are we defining our life in Jesus by loving like Jesus loved, or are we defining our love for God in some other way? So let me prod you and push you a bit. If you're involved in groups, prod and push your group so that you define yourself by your love for people around you. Don't define your faith, but, oh, I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm learning new stuff. No, that's not where we need to define whether we're growing or not. It helps, but the, really it's not doing a whole lot of good if you're just learning new stuff and not living it out in these ways that we're talking about. Very practical ways. Love God wholeheartedly. Do first things first. Don't do life alone. Save people, serve people. Followers say, follow me. And it's going to look like touching and loving and serving people. Now, if we back up from the passage that was the one that kicked me in the pants to begin with, back up one verse, so we started in Galatians 5.14, back up to verse 13, we read this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, don't be selfish in your freedom. Don't be expressing your freedom just because of what you want and your own freedom. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So now we're on the save people, serve people issue, and I want to use a Rick Warren quote that I love. It is really, really a good quote. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it is thinking of yourself less. Humility is thinking more of others. Now, to get at this a little bit, we're going to compare and contrast two phrases 
that one of them you're familiar with and the other one I've never heard before, maybe you have, but I've never heard it before and it's like, that's what I want to compare and contrast. And here are the two phrases, delayed gratification and displaced gratification. I've heard of delayed gratification. How many of you heard of that? Delayed gratification. Anybody heard of displaced gratifications? I've never heard that phrase before. Let me explain in a compare and contrast. Delayed gratification is when you delay what you want in order to have something you want more later. Okay? So just one example might be you're in debt. You want to be out of debt. And so you delay what you want in order to work your way out of debt. And you might just, just really go for it. You're just going to spend less and less and less so that you can put it all towards getting out of debt. And so uh, right down to the practical, practical decision-making decision, you, you need a new car because this one's dead and you're going to get a new car, but you want to get out of debt so you don't get the car with car payments. Oh, no. And so I don't get the car I want. The only thing I can afford is that. I don't want that car. But you are delaying your self-gratification. I'm going to live with that car for now because I want to get out of debt and I'm going to pay cash and I can only afford that car and work towards getting out of debt. And so you get the car you don't want, delay your gratification later so you can get out of debt faster and then later you can have the kinds of car you want once you're out of debt. That's what we call delayed gratification. How many of you get that? Okay, there's all kinds of areas that this works, okay? Now, displaced gratification is a little different. That's where rather than gratify yourself, you actually put your self-needs, your self-wants on the shelf, and you don't do what you want. You set them aside to do what somebody else needs for their gratification. And a lot of people go, why would I want to do that? Why would I, especially if it's like totally don't take care of my own needs and take care of somebody else's needs, how anti-American is that, right? (laughs) And yet, isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He set his needs aside, his wants aside, so that he could meet our needs, even to the point of paying for our very lives to be redeemed out of bondage, out of sin, and out of death. He's willing to pay his own death on the cross to release us from death and give us eternal life. And he wrestled with that thing because it meant taking on all of hell for us and be forsaken by his heavenly father, which he never had in his life, but he wrestled down to Gethsemane and went straight for it. He displaced his gratification in order to bring gratification to us. And then he says, I've bought you. You're mine. Come follow me. That's why we would want to do it. We'd want to do it for the least of these, out of love for Jesus, because we're expressing our love for Jesus. When we do it for somebody else, we can't do it back. When we express our love for somebody that hates us, we're expressing our love for Jesus. When we express our love for somebody that can't do anything in return, we're expressing our love for Jesus. That's why we would do it, even if it's not fun, even if it's heavy. And kudos to you foster parents. It's heavy. It's a load. It is hard. It is sacrifice. It's hard enough for me to have two dogs. But I'm going to come around the families that are carrying those load and help support them as well. I'm a foster grandparent. Okay? So those are hard things. Why would you do that? Well, 
people will know you love God when you love like Jesus. David started the service with a new commandment I give you. Love one another. We go, what's new about that? As I have loved you, that's what's new. Love one another. You know, science is catching up to this. Modern science and the science of happiness is now saying that the secret to happiness is helping others. I love it when science catches up to theology. Isn't that great? And even though you're setting your own needs aside, you are a happier person when you're following Jesus and carrying a sacrifice and seeing that your life counts and is making a difference. I can't wait till we see the crime rate drop in this valley. I can't wait till we see the foster crisis become less of a crisis. I can't wait till we see the drug rate decrease because more and more believers are followers of Jesus Christ and they're making more and more impact on people who are in bondage and lost and bringing them into the love of Jesus, setting them free. I can't wait till you and all your concentric circles are going every which way loving people in Jesus' name because then the whole community is better. That's 2020 vision, clarity. Let's do it. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for loving us. We can't do it without your love. We can't do it without your grace. We can't do it without your spirit filling us up. And we want to learn how to do these little habits, put on our socks right, so that we can take the gospel into the places where we live, into the relationships that people would see there's something about you and it's Jesus. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here. We're going to finish this series, 2020 Vision Clarity, next week. I hope you'll come back for that. If you have a prayer need, we have a prayer team to the right of the stage. Love to have you just receive a lift from that load that's heavy for you. And... Also, this is the last day to sign up for the start here that's next week. So if that's you and you want to know more about how to walk this thing we've described, we'll be describing that next week. You can sign up today. See you next week.